Rise and shine. It's butt whipping time. It's time for the Morning Blitz with Ross Volkmer. That broadcast school has really paid off. Talking everything sports. From the preps. Down the floor, a baseline two-handed flush from Lincoln Cure. To the pros. The Lombardi Trophy has a red and gold reflection. The Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 57. The Blitz is presented by the insurance agency, Equity Bank of Hoxie, Quinter, and Grinnell, the Cowboy Corner Express, and the Farmer State Bank in Oakley. Stop what you're doing and listen. slant caught Mike Evans touchdown his third touchdown catch of the year and with 922 to go the Buccaneers find the end zone it's 25-9 Philadelphia good Tuesday morning everybody it is the morning blitz on 1025 U Rock as well as AM 730 Fox Sports Tri-State of course also online nwksradio.net the rocking M app Hope you're having a good start to your Tuesday, September the 26th, 53 degrees outside, our way to a high of 83 on a Tuesday. Should be a beautiful, beautiful day and a very busy day in the local sports world, which we'll get to a little bit later on in the program. Uh, As always, if you want to be part of the Morning Blitz, the best way to do so is through our text line. Hit us up, number 785-899-2222. Thoughts, comments, questions, opinions, whatever it may be. Hit us up on our text line. We'd love to hear from you throughout the program today. Today, we will be visiting with another undefeated head football coach of our area teams. That'd be Rollins County's Aaron Trummick will be joining us coming up at the bottom of the hour and uh, talking about the Rollins County Buffaloes. 4-0 start. A couple of really nice wins over a couple of really good teams. Uh, One of those, of course, being Hill City this last weekend. So we will get to him coming up at the bottom of the hour talking about uh, uh, the great start to, once again, Rollins County Football's 2023 season. Uh, We will also get into some other late storylines as well. Lots of local sports going on today. Lots of volleyball, cross-country. Also a great slate of of some golf as well as the golf season continues for the ladies here in the fall. So we'll get to all that coming up in our third segment of today. But yesterday seemed like a pretty newsy day, uh, at least if you went looking for it when it came to uh, stories around uh, high school ranks, college ranks, lots of news to get into, and no better way to do that 
on the Morning Blitz than with the front page. Read all about it. Read all about it. The top stories of today. I got the early edition. Hot off the press. It's the front page on the Morning Blitz. Front page, really? Real quick, we'll start with just last night, though, on Monday Night Football. Eagles and Bengals both getting wins. Eagles pulling away from Tampa Bay, 25-11. to They improved to 3-0. Bengals holding on for a 19-16 win over the L.A. Rams. The Bengals just, they should be so thankful that they're just, they've got that one win and didn't start 0-3. They look so lost offensively because Joe Burrow just cannot move. I mean, the guy is truly becoming a statue in the pocket because of this bad calf, and it's not helping his case in any way, shape, or form, and it's not helping his team's case either. So... That's the very difficult part if you are if you are a, a Bengals fan is that you have this great quarterback, but he's just not healthy, and he's just not able to do what he needs to do to help his team go. And the offensive line it seems to have no answer to, to blocking uh, and providing any sort of a run game. I know Joe Mixon got loose for a 14-yard touchdown run last night, but that's about it. Uh, Bengals still, though, found a way to get it done at home, They are, but they avoid an 0-3 start. As for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Eagles, a matchup of 2-0 teams. Eagles get the win easily, 25-11. Speaking of teams that can't run the football, that would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They could not get a push at all against that Eagles defense, um, including a safety uh, after a great punt there by the Eagles. So they pinned him, got a safety, got the ball back. Jalen Hurts apparently was playing with the flu um, or sim- flu-like symptoms. But uh, they per- they uh, push through 25-11 the final score. Eagles are a- they're one of those teams up there. I mean, if you're talking some of the top teams three weeks into the season of the NFL season, you know the Eagles are up there. You got the Niners, the Eagles, the Chiefs. They're up there. Those three teams looking pretty good uh, through the first three weeks. Of the Dolphins are up there as well, looking very very good uh, through just three weeks of the season. Uh, but there you go, Monday Night Football. And I- thank goodness that was the last night of the uh, double headers at least for a while. I, I I don't like the double header deal on Monday night football. I want it to be just one game. I want to be able to sit and watch just one game. Uh and so and I know you can have the option of picking one, but when there's two on, I like to see what's going on, but not having the option just makes it easier for me. <laughs> so, uh give me the single night Monday night football which next week is Giants Seahawks, which once again goes back to kind of being once Monday night football just is nowhere near what it used to be. It used to be these great matchups and now Monday night football is kind of a heh. Uh, I feel like Thursday night and, even, and especially Sunday night are way, way better. Moving on on the front page, probably the big news yesterday, at least when it came to local sports, was Keisha released its classification and enrollment numbers. When it came to changing up some three, some uh, some regional schools, you saw, and once again, this applies for the 2023-24 winter sports and spring sports seasons. So Rollins County will be moving down from 2A to 1A for basketball and, and spring sports. Weskin will once again be a Keisha member. Remember the last couple of years, Weskin has not been a member of Keisha, but they will be starting up here this winter. Uh, they will not be able to compete in the football playoffs until next year. That's something to keep in mind. Uh, but they starting here in the winter sports season, they will move back into being a Keisha 1A school. And Scott City will move up from 3A to 4A in basketball and spring sports. So they're going to move up uh, there, and they're going to be the smallest. Them in Concordia, the smaller 3A schools, or sorry, the smallest 4A schools in that classification. So Scott City is going to move up 
from uh, 3A to 4A. So now you've got Ulysses, Scott City, and Hugotson, all 4A schools that are in the GWAC uh, at this point in time. As it pertains to the 2024-25 football season and their classifications, three schools are going to be making some changes. St. Francis will move up to eight-man Division One. Not a surprise there. Greeley County will move up from six-man to eight-man. They've gotten big enough to go back to eight-man. Uh, eight-man D2 is where Greeley County will go. And like I mentioned, Weskin will become a an approved six-man team by Keisha and will be able to compete in the postseason starting next year. Not this year, but next year. There are some other ones that were interesting. Hayes TMP continues to drop. They're going down to two-way, uh, which was interesting to see. I, the one that was, and I, I know Topeka Hayden moved down and Bishop Miege moved up, which was kind of a surprise to see going from 4A to 5A. But the one that I, for some reason, I don't know why, I guess it just kind of surprised me, was Ellis. Ellis is going from 1A down to 8-man D1. They're going from 11-man down to 8-man football. And I guess I was surpri- I'm was i surprised by that. You know, Ellis, to me, has always kind of been like a, kind of similar to like a Holcomb to an extent because they're a town that's just outside a really big town. And so they get a good number of kids from the big town that come over there. At least I thought that's kind of the way it was, but I guess that's not the way it is. I I was kind of surprised to see Ellis dropping down from 11-man 1A football down to 8-man Division One. I. I was surprised to see that. I figured they'd be one of those schools that would always be 11-man. You know, I remember them playing in you know 2A with Oakley and 1A with Oakley, and now they're going to drop down to 8-man. So, I don't know, I just... That's interesting. Those are the ones that always kind of surprise me are the ones that move classifications and and it changes the type of football they play. They're going to play 11-man to 8-man or 8-man to 6-man or 6-man to 8-man. Those ones that make the adjustments. You know, 6 to 8 and 8 to 6 is maybe a little bit more drastic of a change because of the style of football that's allowed. You know, the rules where the quarterback can't run and... Uh, you know, the center is an eligible receiver. Th- that that kind of stuff. And six-man is is kind of intriguing. Um, and so making those changes and changing your kids, get your kidding your kids' heads wrapped around those new rules can be intriguing. Um, but yeah, seeing, seeing some of these schools drop down from, you know, 11-man football to 8-man football, you know, it's, it's a little bit disheartening, but that's just the way it goes. Like I said, Ellis moving down. That one was a surprise to me in the Acacia numbers. So, once again, I also also love to look at the enrollment for students um, and to see how small some schools are and to see that Healy, uh, Western Plains Healy, but Healy has five total kids in it in their schools. Healy has five, and I think the Western Plains has like 24 to bring their number up, number up to 28 kids in high school. It's, it's ridiculous, but... Uh, that's the way it is out in small-town America. All right, let's move on into college football. Boy, what a great weekend it was for both Kansas and Kansas State, as we highlighted yesterday. And some you know, weekly accolades were handed out to a couple of uh, – to a Jayhawk and a Wildcat. DJ Giddens named the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week uh, after going for 207 yards and four touchdowns. The first time in school history a player had at least 200 yards rushing and four rushing scores in a game. No doubt deserving. He was great. He might as well split that trophy in half with his offensive line who created humongous holes for him to run through. But no doubt, DJ Giddens looked good. The Junction City, Kansas native looks great. And 
like I said, you can make a lot of running backs look really good with a good number of with a, with a great offensive line and big holes to run through. You can make a running back look really, really good. But uh, DJ Giddens once again named the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. And the Hawk Mamba, Kansas's Kobe Bryant, was named the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. Set the tone once again with that fumble on the second offensive play of the game. Came up, crunched a wide receiver, fumbled the football, scooped it up, and took it in for a 22-yard touchdown uh, fumble recovery. And so the Hawk Mamba getting the Defensive Player of the Week for pretty much that play and the great play he's had his entire time. He's re- he really has been a playmaker for Kansas uh, in the Lance Leipold era. I mean, remember last year, you know, had the pick six against West Virginia. And so they, they, he's had some really, really big plays as Kobe Bryant as that defensive back for, for KU. Really, really big player. I mean, he might be a guy we're seeing play on Sundays, honestly. Very impressive for him. Uh, Kansas State, by the way, they have the week off. Remember, they don't play until the following Friday, a week from this Friday against Oklahoma State. Well, Kansas, they will get a great test this Saturday. They are in Austin to take on number three Texas. The last time they were in Austin, of course, they uh, they knocked off the the Longhorns. It was the first. It was kind of that first win, two you know, not two years ago in the in year one of the Lance Leipold era. It was kind of like okay, and everyone it was it was that buy-in game. You know, if you're a if you're a new coach of anything, doesn't matter if it's whatever sport, doesn't matter what level it is. Sometimes you just need a game. To show that what you're teaching, what you're coaching works. And that that allows people to buy into it. Your your athletes and your assistant coaches and all that stuff to buy into it. So that success can continue afterwards and grow from there. And that's exactly what happened a couple years ago down in Austin, Texas. When Lance Leipold went down there and pulled off the win over the Texas Longhorns. Who were not great. And they were not the, the most. They're not the same Texas team they are this year. But it was that kind of win that helped propel them to being this team now that is, instead of being a team that's thankful to make it to a bowl game every now and then, now is a team that's looking to uh, not only make it to a bowl game, but be in a really good bowl game and maybe even compete for Big 12 championships. It was that game that flipped the culture, in my opinion, for Kansas. You see it in a lot of places. There's always that one win where you're like, you know what? That was the thing. And there's some programs out there. It doesn't matter what level it is, what sport it is. They haven't had that win underneath their coaches. Their coaches could be new. Their coaches could be longtime coaches. And they just haven't had that win. You know, I go back to, like, Goodland Cowgirl basketball when they took down Scott City at home. That kind of started the whole run. Even though they didn't make it to state that year, uh, the following year they did and won it, and they won it the following year. It's It just takes that kind of win against a certain team to give yourself a lot of confidence going forward that what you're doing is the right thing and then people buy in and they just they they work at it even harder so i know it's a side note right there but it's a it's a big big part in my opinion in my opinion of uh of becoming a really good program it doesn't matter what sport it is what coach you do or or what level you're at doesn't matter uh it's you got to have sometimes just that one win that's going to uh, push you over the top. Moving on in the front page, Kansas State basketball head coach Jerome Tang has a new contract, a seven-year deal. It'll take him through the 2029-23 season. 
Second-year coach going to be paid $3 million a year starting this year and then receive a $100,000 increase to his salary each of the remaining contract years. So that'll be up to somewhere around $3.6 million for his base contract uh, in 2029-30. Now, there's a bunch of other incentives in there if he makes it to a certain, you know, makes it to the Elite Eight or the Final Four, wins the title. All those incentives are in there as well. But Jerome Tang getting paid after a really, really um, unbelievable season last year in year one for Kansas State and head coach Jerome Tang. I mean, he had a six-year deal that was down to five years, and uh, it only took him one year to put Kansas State, you know, back on the map and in the Elite Eight and get himself a brand-new contract worth $3 million. It's Jerome Tang, it's, it's no doubt worth it. It's no doubt worth it, the money spent here. It was unanimously approved upon by the board of regents there at Kansas State. Not surprising that it got done. I, I just continue to go back. I don't have anything against Jerome Tang or Kansas State basketball. I think they're going to be a fine team this year. I just don't know if they're going to—I would just let people know that I don't know if they're going to have an Elite Eight run this year. I don't know if they're going to be in the, in the top two spots of the Big 12, top three spots in the Big 12. They might be more in the middle of the pack. I still think they could, they'll make probably the NCAA tournament again, but I just don't know if you can expect it to be an amazing run like it was last year. They're going to have a target on their back. Teams are going to know who Kansas State is. That's going to change a few things up. And you don't have two unbelievably special players in Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson back this year either. Now, they did bring in Arthur Kaluma, who I think is a very, very talented player. Uh, the transfer from Creighton. And they have some other great pieces still there from last year's team. Um, you know, Naquan Tomlin being one of those guys. But you had a great point guard, one of the best point guards in all of college basketball, a floor general. And you had one of the most elite scorers in college basketball on the same team last year. Maybe Jerome Tang has that again this year. I, I just, I don't believe that he will. I think it'll still be a very good season. I just don't know if it's going to be the type of season that, that K-State fans got used to last year. I think it'll be a different type year, and they will need uh, a little bit more time this year to, to build this team up. And, and like I said, I don't think it's going to be as exciting of a year as it was in previous. But no doubt, Jerome Tang certainly deserving of a brand new deal that takes him through the 2029-2030 season uh, and making now about $3 million a year. That'll go up to about 3.6. So I think that's really big for him. So... There you go. There's the front page for you on this Tuesday. Like I said, lots of news. Lots and lots of news uh, to get to. Um, all right, let's get to a break. When we come back, we will be joined by Aaron Schrammack, head football coach of Rollins County, talking about the Buffalo's great 4-0 and start. That's next here on the Morning Blitz.